Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big, big pleasure because I have Jessica Noble together with me. Hi, Jessica. How are you? I am wonderful and very happy to be here. It's been a while since we chatted before. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. And for the people watching to this uh, video and not listening to the podcast, we see a nice background that you have. You have two nice books behind you. Could you please share with us which books are? <laughs> So one of them is Customer Experience 3, which is actually when we had a chance to collaborate. And the other one is the five customer experience mistakes that are causing profit erosion. It's really interesting. And I think this will be also the topic that we are going to discuss today. It's about return on investment, speaking about uh, customer experience, not the fluffy things that everybody's thinking about, but it's really creating return for companies. We will deep dive in this topic in a few minutes, but before that, we would like to learn a bit more about you, Jessica. Could you please introduce yourself and highlight your career step that really bring you to this, to this role that you have now? Yeah, so um, Jessica Noble, I live in the States, in Southern California. So if anybody knows where Orange County is, I'm much further south than that, um, right near the, the border to Mexico. Um, I have been in, working in customer experience for a long time, and I actually started in it before I knew that customer experience was a career or a discipline, probably about 20 something years ago when I worked for Nationwide Insurance. And it was probably about seven years, maybe after that, that I realized what customer experience was and I dug into it and realized I had been doing some of the things that practitioners of customer experience focus on, but really started to understand all of the things that customer experience practitioners do and uh, leading practices. And I've been doing that ever since. And now um, our organization, we work with clients uh, to achieve strong and sustainable profits, profit margins, by one, plugging money link leaks, so operational excellence, and then by elevating experiences, both for customers and for employees or team members. Thank you very much, Jessica. You are already start touching the, the relevant topics. You are too quick because there are still one question I would like uh, to ask, but I really like that you are straight to the point and also reading your books. Uh, it's, it's quite clear and we feel and understand that. But before that, before that, which values drive you in life? Oh, my life. Um, so I would say there's really one very significant one that anybody who works with me probably knows and or will recognize. And that is that I believe in treating people with respect and kindness. And by kindness, I don't, I don't mean niceness. I mean radical candor. So I'm a very direct and to the point person. If there's an issue, let's tackle it. Um, let's dive in. So it's being respectful, but then also being candid. 
Ah, that's really interesting. And it's something that also Gary Vaynerchuk is sharing with you or you are sharing with him, Radic Kandor. It's in uh, his latest book, 12 and a half. The half is really candor. And I think this is a, really an interesting thing, something to understand. And if it's possible to apply even better, because I think it's it's key in business and also in in life. Jessica, I am really happy that we can start discussing about um, linking uh, customer experience with business result. And um, as you already mentioned, one word that we need to to deep dive in, uh, profit margins. A lot of people are speaking only about profit and you start really pointing on, on the right topic. Could you please elaborate a bit on what you are meaning, meaning with profit margins? Yeah, so profit... Uh, became really popular with companies um, like the Uber um, and I'm trying to think of other brands where really they're subsidized by their private equity or their venture capital firms. And profit margin is really at the end of the day, how much money do we get to take home that hasn't been spent trying to get us where we are? And that's what you need to be sustainable. You can only live in the red upside down for so long now given you know, the last handful of years, some massive companies, WeWork, um, like I mentioned, Uber, some of those lived in that space a lot longer than we would typically see. But that era, I believe it's over. I think what you're saying, it totally makes sense because at the end, it's what it counts. It's what you you bring home, what you have in your bank and what what it's the the, the result of, of, of what you're doing. Uh, you, you explained that profit margins because let's start making one step back. Perhaps uh, why is return on investment so important when we are speaking about customer experience? So return on investment is an important way to decide how we're going to invest our limited resources. So time, money, um, focus and attention. And I'd like to call out cognitive uh, resources. We have a very limited amount. So we have to determine what's the best place to apply those resources to get a return, whether that return is short-term or long-term. And that is why ROI is such a powerful tool to determine that and then to continue to stay in sync with return on investment because it does change over time as factors change. Um, I think this is something important. And perhaps uh, how do you quantify um, the the, the CX improvement? Because a lot of people are saying, yes, it's about the long term. You mentioned that it's it's sustainable growth and sustainable profit for for the future. But how how do you quantify the the, the improvement, improvement in CX? Yeah, so I will admit there are some areas that are softer and it can be more difficult. So ROI is not um, the fix-it answer for everything. Um, But the way that you calculate it is really look at what is important to your company, what are your values and goals, what's important to your client, and what are you trying to improve? So let's say that we are an earlier stage company and our focus is on we need to get customers. So we need to acquire customers. That is going to be one of the important measures for your business case, for your ROI. If you are a little bit further in your growth process, it may be about retaining customers. So again, 
that is a measure, and those are very, very quantifiable. We know, hopefully, what the value of a customer is, the value of keeping them, what it costs to get a customer. But the other side of the equation is around that operational excellence, the processes, the efficiencies, how well do we do what we do, and are we productive? So it's I, I talk a lot about the cost of over-relying on HERO employees, which HEROs are great, but if you have an organization that is relying on them too much, one, it's terribly expensive, it's very risky, and it's ultimately, it's going to affect your customer experience in so many ways. It's just, it's not scalable. And so looking at both how can we improve the top line and how can we improve or reduce the bottom line is really the simple way to look at ROI. Understanding two things. Not everything is super easy to quantify and to kind of prove out the thinking. You may have hypotheses. We think if we do this, it's going to do this. So that's a given. And then the time horizon, which you mentioned, if it's gonna be a more of a long-term return or short-term and calling those out. And if you can incorporate references to where we've seen that before, benchmarks, research, that's great. And sometimes it is just something that people in business know that if we invest in A, that it is going to be a longer time horizon. Uh, you are mentioning several interesting things. I think one, it's also what you're sharing in uh, Customer Experience 3. It's um, these heroes or this it depends day that um, it's important to have a consistent service. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, one of my favorite topics that you mentioned is the chapter in the book, and it's called the It Depends Trap. And that is, if my experience with your business is, you know, working with you or working with that brand, is it good? Well, it depends. If I call on Sunday, or if I go to the website on Tuesday, or if I have a return and the answer to all those, well, it depends whether my experience is good. And, and as you said, it's that consistency piece. If when I go to a restaurant, sometimes it's excellent. The food is great. It's clean. The service is wonderful. But other times it's horrible. I can't trust that experience. And so for me to want to invest my money in that experience, that's probably not where I want to go unless... I'm a gambler and, <laughs> and I, I don't mind surprises. And so companies that can provide that same level, that same quality of experience, and one key is for a similar level of effort on my part as the customer. That is key. So I may get the same outcome, but if it requires a lot more work from me this week than it did a week ago, a month ago, which that's a lot of times one of the key is that customer effort. If that varies wildly, then I get into the, my experience, well, it depends on the channel that I engaged with, et cetera. No, I think that's that's a great a great example. And the other thing that we were also discussing in the pre-recording is I started working in a hospital roughly one and a half years ago, and uh, we wanted to start a customer experience or patient uh, ex uh, patient experience transformation. It's everything um, 
about making the life of our employees and our uh, patient easier. And basically, when I started, um, companies started contacting me. And uh, do you want a customer experience platform? Do you want a voice of the customer tool? And by the way, you need to put everything on cloud and so on. And for me, and I would like you to explain that, it's extremely difficult because I can start making investments spending a lot of money on technological solution, but I don't know if I need them because it, it was at the beginning. And I think a lot of companies invest a lot of money on having 200 different channels and on the best in class voice of the customer platform and they're not leveraging that and everything needs and must be on cloud from day one and so on. I think there are clear advantages of using cloud. But at the end, as you were saying, it's it depends on how, how you're progressing, what you're doing. What's your view on that? Yes, yeah, so I'm a really simple person in terms of when you get started, and that is um, using a two-by-two two matrix where you are taking all of the problems and solutions and plot them based on the level of impact you think addressing it's going to have and the amount of effort and its order of magnitude. Is it gonna be a massive effort to fix it and a massive impact? If so, that's probably gonna be a priority, but it's gonna be a longer term one. But then we get into the things that are relatively lower effort and high impact, those low hanging fruit or quick wins. Get started on them now. Stop talking about it and do it. And that's where you get into providing value early and often and taking those smaller, uh, quick wins or whatnot, and demonstrating that you get things done. That's how you build up a lot of that credibility for CX and for yourself as a professional by delivering on those little things that oftentimes they've been just driving people crazy. But why they haven't moved forward, I will say most often what I see is because it's cross-functional. It may not be complicated but it requires the coordination and the understanding of a few different areas. And so nobody says, I own that, I will drive getting it fixed. And so I would say that is the number one place that I start, where I tell people not to start, and I may get in a little bit of trouble with people, is the last thing that you wanna do is go buy a big tool to get voice of the customer or to start talking to the customer via surveys, minute one. And the reason I say this, don't ask customers what you should already know the answer to because somebody's already asked the question and you've done nothing with the information. And don't ask a question if you're not willing to do anything about it. I have left more brands. I actually left a very big logo last year because I kept getting a survey request and they're gonna you know, pay you $25 or something to complete it. I already did that last year and the year before, and it's the same things that they, nothing's improving. And so while a lot of people are like, oh, I need to go hear from the customer, that is not the first step. You need to know what information do we already have? What feedback do we already have? Um, so that I'm not making things worse by asking them a question that they've already communicated. I think what you're saying, it totally makes sense. And remember to me to um, an experience that I had last week. Um, I contacted the bank because they um, I had um, a money transfer issue and uh, they explained me 
pretty well and in a clear way that they were not guilty for this mistake, but the other bank did the, the mistake. And then they said, okay, now we are going to close the chat. And then it popped up an automatic survey. Are you satisfied with this, uh, with this service? And I answered, no, I'm not satisfied. And then the, the, the guy came back and said, yes, but we explained to you the issue. And I said, yes, but you asked me if I'm satisfied. I'm not as satisfied because with this transfer, I lost money. And uh, this, this is not your fault, but it's, I'm, I'm, I lost money. And the guy said, yes, you're true. That's, that's perhaps not the best question that we could ask. And I think this, this, this is really disruption because I understood the explanation. I accepted the explanation, but don't ask me if I'm happy with that because I'm not happy that I lost money if they weren't guilty. <laughs> oh, I've been in that spot. And yeah, those things, they drive me crazy when they end the call and say, you know, it was wonderful to serve you today. And all their answers were no, 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 we can't and no. Um, it was wonderful to serve me. You didn't serve me anything other than no. Exactly. Uh, perhaps uh, w one question. Um, you are also often involved in this discussion about um, uh, the return, the profit and so on. But there are also um, additional f things that can quantify uh, how much, how good this, this transformation are, but are more fluffy, like brand awareness and all this stuff that you cannot quantify in numbers. Uh, what's your view on this topic? Yeah, so I would say two things. One, there is no single way to measure everything. So you can't quantify everything with a hard number. That said, you have people who qu try and quantify everything, but they have horrible assumptions behind it. And then you have some people who think everything is too hard to even try and quantify. And so you have to come to the middle. And one of the things I would say is, let's say you're really struggling and you can't quantify. Is there a way to test out your hypothesis that says, I think if we do this, this is the benefit we'll get. So let's make a, a really narrow investment and let's test our hypothesis. So that is one way to do it. The other for things like brand awareness, and there's a, a lot, we could talk about that all day, but as I would ask the question, what happens if we don't do anything and people aren't aware of our brand? What is the cost of not doing anything? And then people start to think, oh, well, we get a lot of our leads based on natural search results or referrals because people already know our brand, or not referrals, but because of name recognition. Um, because they've already seen it. And so they're aware of a brand when they go at any point in their life looking for something. And so that's another way to frame it. And it usually shows us just how much of that is quantifiable, whether it is in reducing the cost of acquiring customers or, you know, kind of the other key elements. Thank you. Perhaps uh, w one question, and I think that's something that it's the reason, from my point of view, no answer, but you can give guidance to, to the audience. This uh, customer experience transformation, it's a program, it's a lot of different initiatives and projects, but this is one or several uh, projects that are going um, and there are progressing, but the company is doing a lot of different things. They are changing products. They are doing this and that. And therefore, it's often difficult really 
to link back after six months, after one year, what was the cause or the effect of something? What's your view on this topic? Yeah, so I think one, we have to look at how we should be measuring what we're doing. And part of that is define those with the end in mind. What are we going to be able to reasonably measure? So if you're a smaller, less mature business around data, don't base your case around things that it's going to be so expensive to measure that you lose your ROI. Um, and so I think that is one of the biggest pieces. And the other is I love to, you go into an organization, one, you understand the company's goals. What are they trying to accomplish? But then for every area of the business, what are they trying to do? And then match up your customer experience transformation strategy with what they're trying to do, a lot of it being operational, not all of it. And a lot of times we'll see that they are two sides of the same coin. If we invest money in this customer experience improvement or this operational improvement, we're solving the same problem. And so let's, what are they measuring? Because if we can help another area of the organization hit their goal, oh, now we're getting momentum. And if, and if we can do that with a few areas and tie in what they're trying to do to our big picture vision, that's how you create that sustainable vision that has momentum across the organization rather than designing a customer experience transformation kind of in this little silo that is totally disjointed from what the rest of the organization is trying to accomplish. We can actually be that um, framework where we're plugging in, this is how it fits together. And this is how what they're doing gets us to where we need to be with customer experience. This is how what they're doing. And then invariably we'll identify some gaps or overlaps. Well, overlaps, that's a great thing to raise because probably means we're spending twice as much to do something or the gaps. And we say, you know what, we'll take initiative to help figure out how we close that gap. I think that's 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 really interesting. You start collaborating with the with the other departments, and this is um, for sure one important uh, thing that we help them achieving their targets. But how we can explain to other departments the importance of customer experience? For example, also the finance team. Yes. So uh, the CFOs and finance teams are actually they are my favorite to work with, and I'll just give a kind of a quick little I don't know quite quite a story, but. I was on a panel a couple of years ago for um, a CFO professional association. So all the CFOs in the Southeast of the United States, so we had a panel of us and I was brought in to represent customer experience. And then there was a couple different CFOs on the panel. Well, they probably realized they didn't need me there at all because one of the CFOs, she was, um, I would call maybe more of a modern CFO. Every answer she gave is what I would have said she really understood the levers of their business. So the way I break it down, and this is um, perhaps a little bit elementary, but CFOs, their job is to care about risk and to manage risk, uh, which is really the potential loss of something of value or the potential gain of something of value. And so their job is to reduce the risk of losing it and to reduce the risk of gaining it and or the cost of gaining it. And so when we think about what does a business value most, customers, sales, potentially a few other things like safety. So what are the risks 
that we encounter related to customers, acquiring them and retaining them, and the risks related to sales, the duration of a sales cycle, the cost of a sales cycle, those types of things. And CFOs care about effectively managing the risk. And in order to effectively manage risk, they need to be informed with meaningful and timely information. And then they you know, want visibility into other things like customer profitability, service consistency, and those types of things. Again, these are modern CFOs that really understand what is impacting the risk that they're looking at. So when you have one who understands that, they speak our language almost faster than we do. And when they don't, that's when we can kind of bring them back to the basics that will make sense to them. And I'll give an example if that's okay. Uh, when we think about having a bad experience and we can kind of personalize it when we're talking to someone, every other key metric in a business is going to show what kind of that the trending is going to be impacted. Now, you may not be able to see it in the volume of transactions or experiences, but when people have bad experiences, well, the cost of sales goes up. And sometimes that's because we can't get references um, in a more of a B2B situation because people are having bad experiences, so we can't find references. Um, cycle time, that goes up. Um, Maybe it's because they, they need more convincing because they've heard on, word on the street is there's bad experiences. Well, when the cost of a sale, sale goes up, our margins, that's auto automatically eating into our margins. Uh, it's similar when we look at bad experiences. Now customer complaints are going up. Dealing with those complaints requires operational time. And so the cost to serve goes up and both of those now are eating into margin from the other end, from the, the bottom side. And then ultimately, if you have these bad experiences enough, it wears on employees. It is incredibly exhausting and painful and demoralizing to work for a company that's doing a horrible job all of the time, even if you had phenomenal employees. But if you have broken, broken systems and processes and bad data, there's only so much that team members can do and it's demoralizing. And, and then you get into that cycle boat, talking through that with CFOs, they get that logic. It makes sense. It totally makes sense. Yes, because you make that understandable for them and you speak their language so that they understand and they can achieve their goals. And as we know, um, CFOs are the guys and ladies looking at figures and therefore they want to see figures <laughs> and therefore it, it's totally um, understandable. We are coming to the end of this game, but I still have one question. It's not related to return on investment, to, to, to profit and loss and profit margins, what we learned um, today. It's in 10 years from now. We are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Jessica is together with me. What we are discussing about? Um, there's going to be a lot of things, but I would say I'll pick two. Um, one of them, which is super timely, I would say is around technology like chat GPT and really artificial intelligence in general. I think we will still be talking about how to bias proof it 
and will still be um, in the fight of what is appropriate to regulate and what is not. Um, so I think those will be still two of the big topics, even in 10 years. Um, the other one that I think is, I'll pick an example, sentiment analysis. So this is just an example. I think we're gonna be getting into more and more nuance of what that means and what we can do with it. And then potentially, or probably likely, there will be a way to take that intelligence and automate the next action. So if you have intelligent process improvement, it diagnoses a problem and it self-fixes. Um, same for customer journey. It you know, understands the customer and then it, it decides the next action. And we see little glimmers of this here and there, but most of it is based on just pure artificial intelligence as opposed to machine learning models and the capabilities that chat, GP, chat GPT has given us a glimpse into. Um, and so I would say those are probably the two big ones. Um, I will put the conversation on our calendar for 10 years from today. <laughs> you are mo more than welcome. And I think then you can again explain how to get the approval from the CFO to invest in such tools, because I think this will be big investments. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think so. Yep. Uh, thank you very much, Jessica. We are coming to the end of this game, but we still have uh, three minutes in the extra time. And I still have three questions for you. The okay. first one is, is there a book that helped you during your career or, or during your life that you would like to share with the audience? I have been, I have read so many incredible books. So rather than telling you the most impactful, I'll pick one of the more recent ones um, that I've read that was very different than other books I've read. And it's called Thinking in Bets, uh, How to Make Smarter Decisions When You Don't Have All the Facts, which I think ties into what we've been talking about. And it's actually written by a professional poker player. And uh, yeah, it was uh, interesting. Someone recommended it to me and it's not a book I would have picked up otherwise. But one of the key things she talks about is you can't gauge the quality of a decision by the quality of the outcome. So if I, if in poker, you know, 99% of the time, this move is your best bet. Well, 1% of the time it's not, but that doesn't mean it was a bad decision just because you got a bad outcome that 1% of the time. So I highly recommend that book. I think it's a really good way to remind ourselves uh, how to make good decisions and then how to evaluate them after the fact. I think that uh, totally makes sense. Thank you, thank you for this suggestion. And I'm quite sure that people will have some questions, some to ask you. What's the best way to contact you? Yes. Yeah, so I am on LinkedIn, uh, Jessica Noble. And actually, when you go to the LinkedIn uh, URL, um, I got the backslash Jessica Noble. So I'm pretty easy to find. Um, I would say that's the biggest one. Or um, on there, there's my email or, or app and phone number. I'm also on WhatsApp which uh, is also an easy way to connect. Thank you very much. The question that I still have is where we can find your books. Oh, they're on Amazon. You can get either hard copies um, anywhere in the U.S. Just go on Amazon. And they're also digital. So both the one we co-collaborated on and the other, they're both on thank Amazon. 
Thank you very much. We are coming to the last question. It's Jessica's golden nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to leave to the audience. Mm. I think mine is find the people who are passionate about operational excellence in your organization. And if they drop words like lean or Six Sigma, build alliances with them because we, I think we forget that Lean and Six Sigma were built on starting with what customers value. So they get it. And that whole thinking outside in and thinking inside out, if they're Lean or Six Sigma or that's their background, they're already thinking outside in. So their focus on outcomes maybe on operational excellence, but they're following a very similar approach instinctually, if not um, intentionally. So find those folks because that's a great way to build momentum, alliances, and measurable, me measurable ways to improve customer experience. Thank you very much, Jessica. The last thing that I want to say is thank you very much for your time and being on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. This was so fun. I was so glad we got a chance to catch up. Thank you. Please, Jessica, stay with me. To the audience, it was a great pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. You know, uh, feedback is a gift. Please come contact me or contact Jessica. Happy to, uh, to start discussion with you, share what we think about customer experience and more. Thank you very much. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!